0: Welcome to the Longevity Gym. Hello, my name is Pam Strand. I'm a personal trainer and a life coach and a 64-year-old woman with a curious mind and an adventurous spirit for following one's dreams. And for the last 20 years, I have been doing exactly that, living my dreams both personally and professionally And in this podcast, I share what I find most fascinating and most helpful about fitness, life, and being your best at any age. Thank you for tuning in, and I appreciate you for being on this journey with me. In this episode, I want to talk about the four pillars of longevity, or the four areas that we can focus on in our life to add more health to our years and years to our health. I wanna talk about what these four pillars are, what science suggests is important to know about each pillar, and then I wanna give you some examples of how they can show up in your life. I wanted to make a couple important notes before I start here today. What I'm sharing is not medical advice, nor is it diagnosis or treatment. It's not substitute for medical guidance or for what you know is healthy and safe for you. Rather, it is information I find fascinating and helpful to help us figure out how we can better support our body's systems in a way that creates more health, more strength, and more energy. The four pillars of longevity are the vitality of the mind, the capacity of the body, the resilience of our systems, and the pursuit of well-being. The first pillar, the vitality of the mind, is about exploring two things that shape our experiences with aging, health, fitness, and well-being. The first being our thoughts, beliefs, and perceptions about ourself, our life, aging, and the world around us. The other thing that shapes our experiences is our cognitive function and performance. Where the mind goes, the body will follow. I'm unsure who this quote is attributed to, but I believe there's a great truth in it. For science is showing that our psychology does affect our physiology. Our beliefs, thoughts, and perceptions impact our physiology for the better or for the worst. Optimism, That confidence and hopefulness about the future and your belief that you will be able to deal with what life brings you has shown people who are optimistic live longer. Having a growth mindset, belief in your agency and ability to grow, to learn new skills, to successfully navigate the gray areas of life, and to simply just get better as you go that also is positively correlated with greater health and greater longevity. Thoughts, beliefs, and language about aging. Simply put, thinking younger can make our physiology and our energy younger and more vibrant. There's one study that showed hearing the negative language about aging can actually make us act old. One study noted that hearing the negative language about aging for only about 15 minutes made a very noticeable difference in how participants moved. They walked more slowly and with a bent over posture. Science is also giving us data and information about our cognitive function and performance. Balance and grip strength have been shown to be markers of brain health people who can balance on one leg for 20 seconds with their eyes open have been shown to live 13 years longer than those who can't grip strength as measured as 44 pounds or greater for women or 72 pounds or greater for men have been has shown to be tied with greater brain health than those with lesser grip strength problem solving concentration focus. These are key cognitive skills to improve and sustain as we get older. Meditation and mindfulness have been shown in studies to make the brain younger, and movement and exercise have also been shown to improve brain function. The second pillar, the capacity of the body. This is about learning how to tap into or support the body's innate ability to improve its function at any age. The four main areas of focus are one, movement and exercise, two, nutrition, three, rest and rejuvenation, and four, the environment around you. If we understand how each of these areas or elements help us support the function of the body, We can continue to be healthier and stronger and live with more energy as we get older. Today I want to speak a little bit about movement and exercise and nutrition. Let's start with movement and exercise. Movement and exercise is a big topic. And it can be very confusing and overwhelming. I've been in the fitness industry for 20 years, and I know as a personal trainer, we can certainly make it very complicated and very intimidating. Today, I wanna talk about what I'm believing is to be the most important type of movement that can also be turned into exercise, and that is walking. Brisk walking is likely the most important movement we can do and the most important form of movement where we could be investing our time and effort to enhance and sustain and get the biggest hit on lengthening our healthy years. From a practical perspective, our ability to walk is a very significant determination of living independently as we age. So it behooves us to really focus on walking and also removing any obstacles in our younger years from walking. Being able to walk at a rate of approximately 2.7 miles per hour has been shown to correlate with adding anywhere from 15 to 20 additional years of health to those who can't walk that quickly. Getting your steps in is also important for adding health to your years and years to your health. 7,000 steps per day correlates with a longer and healthier living. The gold standard, though, continues to be 10,000 steps a day. When we prioritize walking as a key movement for us, it also simplifies any strength training efforts. We simply prioritize our efforts on strengthening our lower body and then our upper torso so we can walk upright. Lower body exercises include squats, lunges, the exercises the exercise like a heel raise which strengthens our calf muscles and the muscles in our feet. From our torso perspective or the upper body's perspective, we want to focus on movements that have us pulling weights, developing our shoulders and things like planks. Nutrition the second area where we can tap in order to help our body improve its function. But talk about an area filled with so much confusion and so much conflicting information and also an area in our lives that can be both a very positive things, positive thing, like sitting down with a good tasty meal with friends has so much social value, but can also carry a lot of emotional baggage. So I'm not gonna overwhelm you today with details. I will be devoting more podcasts to the subject of nutrition. But today I wanted to tell you about something that I've just learned. Recently, I participated in a webinar hosted or given by Dr. David Katz. He's a specialist in preventative medicine and public health. And he has and is, continues to devote his work to improve the quality of our diets. His data shows that the quality of our diet should be considered a vital sign right up there with taking your blood pressure and measuring our resting heart rate. It is the leading link to all-cause morbidity. Our diets are so very important to our health. And in my 20 years of being a personal trainer, I also know improving our nutrition, changing the way to eat is one of the most difficult changes to make and sustain for a variety of reasons. I'm gonna give you some important thoughts here on nutrition. No matter what diet you follow, the diet, or excuse me, the data is suggesting that the highest quality of diets have one thing in common. They are predominantly plant-based. Now, before you kind of scrunch up your nose because you don't like broccoli, hear me out here. The most practical goal is not to set an expectation that you need to achieve the absolute most ideal, most high-performing diet in order to be healthy, but rather it's important to set a goal to improve your diet over time. I like the phrase used by Dr. Katz, change your diet one bite at a time. Let me give you an example of the Mediterranean diet. It is, well, it's been shown and it's in the news a lot lately that it's like one of the most healthiest ways to eat. But a Mediterranean diet isn't ideal for you if you don't like the foods and you don't see yourself eating that way. So meet yourself where you are. Start there. There are likely some small changes you can make. You probably already have them in your head that you can make to improve the quality of your diet. Eating more fruits, eating more vegetables, changing fats from saturated fats, moving more towards unsaturated fats, eating whole grains, and if you eat protein, eat lean protein. From a psychological standpoint, the mind doesn't like giving up things. So focusing first on adding healthy foods, rather than taking things away, can be easier and less overwhelming for our minds and therefore for us. The third pillar of longevity is the resilience of our systems. First, let's define resilience. It's the body's capability or ability to adapt to stressors to its internal environment and then quickly return to its steady state. Resilience is gained by managing the interplay of stress and recovery in the body. Stress disrupts the steady state of our systems, and that steady state is known as homeostasis. Recovery mechanisms return the body and therefore return us to steady state. Here are some very important things to know about stress and recovery within the body. The accumulation of stressors over our lifetime can add up to things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, metabolic disease, inflammation, annoying and consistent aches and pains. But stress is more than what we worry about. Worry is only one type of stressor that triggers the stress mechanisms within the body. Other types of stress include unhealthy foods, consumption of alcohol and drugs, never getting any downtime, shortchanging ourselves on rest, even foregoing vacations, illness, injury, disease, grief. Those are also forms or can also be forms of stress in the body pollution and toxins in our environment. But stress also can come from positive things like learning new skills, starting an exercise program, getting a new job that you've been looking forward to, moving to a new house or moving to a new city. That can also be stress within the body. So as we get older, Because of the accumulated effect of stress on our bodies, we want to become more aware when stress is at play in our life so we can take action more quickly and more completely to resolve that stress, either by reducing the stressor, removing the stressor, or even reframing how we look at stressful things in order to make them less stressful to our bodies. I also think as we get older, particularly if we've had a lot of chronic stress in our lives, our bodies are pretty well trained in stress, maybe more than they are trained in rest and recovery. So, because of that, we may need to support our bodies more intentionally on the recovery side. And that may look like taking more time to rest after stress producing times, whether that be what we might consider negative stress or positive stress. It could also look like being more diligent on maintaining the quality of our sleep, which by the way, is the rock star of recovery. We may want to invest some effort in improving our diets so that we're eating healthier. Nutritious diets are a great way to help our body improve its recovery mechanisms. And maybe we if we're a really heavy exercise exerciser, maybe we use less intense movement like an easy walk, stretching, or doing yoga to trigger the parts of our nervous system responsible for recovery. You may have heard of the parasympathetic nervous system and the vagus nerve. We can take specific action to improve the performance of the parasympathetic nervous system as well as the performance of our vagus nerve. One other note about stress and recovery. Many of us have wearable health and fitness tracker devices like Fitbit, Apple Watch, Garmin. These devices have data to help us manage these areas of our health, whether we are under stress, whether we are recovering from stress, What's the quality of our sleep? And I have found the data, even though there are people we question how good the quality of the data is, it can be directional. So it can help us think a little bit more, I guess, in a little more detail and take a little more accountability in these areas of our life. And finally, the fourth pillar of longevity is the pursuit of well-being. This area focuses on if and how we invest our energy in the pursuits that are most meaningful to us, no matter how big or how small. So we ask ourselves, do the activities and pursuits of our daily lives add purpose to our life? And I'm not talking necessarily about the big P purpose. Um, such as what's the purpose of my life here on earth, but rather purpose with the smaller p on on an everyday basis. Do we have enough of the activities and the connections in our lives that we consider value adds, that we consider doing because they make us feel productive and significant? Evidence also suggests purpose, social interactions, and close relationships do extend our healthy years so these areas of well-being are important for our longevity as well as practices such as gratitude self-kindness self-forgiveness these practices also enhance our sense of well-being other scientific evidence is suggesting that well-being is also tied to specific skills What is important to know, especially since well-being can be nebulous and a very subjective topic that's difficult to gain traction in, it's important to know that there are skills that science is suggesting can help us with our pursuit of well-being. Richie Davidson is a renowned neuroscientist from the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And he's also found the founder of Healthy Minds Innovations. He has studied extensively the area of well-being and his research has linked four skills or traits for developing well-being. And these are one, awareness, which is cultivating our ability to be in the present moment without judgment. Two, insight. Which really is about developing our curiosity, asking ourselves, like, huh, I wonder why that's going on, or what's going on here. Particularly our curiosity around what works and what doesn't work for us, because those things are very important. Those insights are very important for us to take action on in order to have this sense of well-being in our lives. Connections is the third skill. Those are skills for maintaining social interactions and developing close relationships. And then the fourth skill is purpose, that ability to create purpose in our lives through our daily activities, no matter how big or how small. I realize that this conversation is fairly high level, but I wanted to continue to lay the groundwork that I started in my first episode about the big picture of longevity. I think it's important to understand the broad picture, but it's also important to understand we don't want to just focus on one area in isolation from the others. Yes, our bodies may tell us one specific area needs our attention over another in the short term, but over the long term, we want to pay attention to all of the areas of longevity, the vitality of mind, the capacity of our body, the resilience of our systems, and the pursuit of well-being. As we get close to the end of this podcast, I just want to make a point that we can bring in more than one pillar into any specific activity. For example, building on the thought about walking as the most important movement for us, we could go for a walk outside with a friend. And that could potentially influence all of the four pillars. For example, the rhythmic movement of walking, moving through space, even the uneven surfaces when we're walking outside, those challenge our coordination, our balance. All of that helps promote the first pillar, the vitality of mind. When we start to make walking, turn it into brisk walking and build up speed, We've turned walking into exercise that helps us expand the capacity of our body. And that moderate aerobic activity that can come from walking, it clears the stress byproducts from the body, helping with the resilience of our systems and connecting with friends in mother nature. Overall enhances a sense of well-being. I think in this example, it's fun and exciting, to me at least, uh, to take one simple activity and broaden its potential impact to our overall overall health. See if you can't practice this or have some fun with this in your own life, expanding the impact of your activities by considering and incorporating more than one of the four pillars of longevity. So that's a wrap. Thank you for the gift of your time, and I hope you have learned at least one thing that you feel will help you live a stronger, healthier, and more energetic life. If you want to be sure not to miss a podcast episode, I invite you to sign up for my newsletter. I send emails when a new episode is posted, and I also share information about my work and upcoming offerings. You will see a sign-up form in the show notes below. If you have any questions about today's episode or ideas for future episodes, feel free to email me. My email is pam at strandfitnessonline.com. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you will stay with me on this journey and tune in to the next episode of the Longevity Gym. I will be exploring how to keep ourselves healthy and young. See you next time.